Good evening. Today is Wednesday, May 11th, and we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Bill's story, and our speaker tonight is Roberto. Thank you, Roberto. Hello, friends. My name is Roberto. I am a compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Uh, I'm actually feeling pretty nervous. Um, I'm feeling fear, feeling right here in my chest. I um, I have fear of failure. I have fear of not being good enough, of not doing a good job. Um, but I'm choosing to not listen to that, to not let it paralyze me. And I'm showing up with my fear and my anxiety and my nervousness and just trying to do my best to um, carry the message. Um, I, uh, I will qualify. Uh, for a little bit, I um, I came into the rooms about 15 months ago, um, about 100 pounds overweight, just coming out of divorce and bankruptcy. Um, my mom had just passed away from a heart attack at a very young age. Uh, my grandma passed away from cancer that same month, and my aunt passed away a, a month after from alcoholism, um, even younger than my mom. So I was just very, very depressed. When I came into the rooms, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what to do. I just, I never really planned to kill myself, but I didn't want to be alive anymore. Um, and from three weeks into coming into the rooms, my, my, my life has started to change. Um, I have lost about 80 pounds. Um, I, am, I don't feel isolated anymore. I have a lot of friends. Um, I came in as an atheist, and I, I now have uh, my own version of higher power, which I choose to call God, um, and it's so much bigger than just the word God. Um, I have an amazing relationship with my kids, and I have made career changes that have been for the best. Um, I am not, I'm staying away from any toxic relationship. I am playing sports again. I am doing a lot of things that I love as a result of working these steps. And I am definitely living a, a life beyond my wildest dreams. And what I mean by my beyond my wildest dreams is literally is 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 nothing is is far from everything that I imagined and I ambitioned. I, I, I thought it was gonna be perfect and I was gonna be happy all the time and I was gonna have all this money and, and a car and, a, and an expensive car and a big house and a super hot girlfriend and, and my kids were going to be perfect and everything was going to be perfect. And it is far from that. The life that I'm living today is actually pretty imperfect and very flawed. And I'm not happy all the time. I feel fear. Like I feel today, I, I get mad and I get sad and um, I get upset and I get frustrated and I get disappointed, but I also do get happy um, and I feel love and I get excited um, and I'm, 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 by not blocking the negative feelings, I, which quote unquote negative feelings, I, um, I also leave space for the positive feelings. Um, and, and the unknown um, and the balance, the flexibility, the mix of the, the highs and the lows and the, and the good and the bad and the black and the white, all of those things make for a, for a wonderful and beautiful life that I live today that is not perfect, but it's definitely worth living. Um, and I, I, 
I wouldn't change it for the world. I, I, I love my life today um, just as imperfect as it is. Um, and I'm growing every day and I'm doing my best to, to, to employ the tools of this program every day. Um, and I mess up a lot and I make a lot of mistakes and I go back and I try to fix them and I try to do better next time. Um, I try not to listen to shame. I use maybe a little bit of guilt to be able to do better next time um, and know that I made mistakes, but I am not a mistake. Um, and um, that's pretty much my qualification. I'm, um, I'll get into the, the uh, bill story, which I am not, um, um, you know, I, I don't know a lot, but I do have a lot highlighted. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll read a few things that stand out to me and, and tell you what I think about it. Um, so the first thing um, that stood out to me from Bill's story is on the first page um, when he talks right at the, at the end, he says, my talent for leadership, I imagine would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. Um, and I, I thought so highly of myself. Um, I, I love to inflate my ego. Oh, thank you. Um, I love to inflate my ego um, so that I could look better to others. I still love doing that if I'm not careful, if I'm not vigilant enough. Um, I work, I, I operate from my ego a lot uh, and it takes me away from the present. Um, um, and thank God it's not the, the automatic thing anymore where I'm constantly um, operating from that side of me and I get a mix of, of uh, you know, the, the, the godly self in me. Um, so the next thing that stands out to me um, is from the next page on uh, page four, when he says, I proved to the world that I was important. And, and what that's screaming to me is I feel unimportant. Um, I, I also felt uh, um, so compelled to prove to the world that I was important because I felt unimportant because I thought that I had to prove myself to someone that, that everything of value in me had a material side of it, that if I wasn't successful, if I don't, didn't make good money or if I didn't have the manager position, then um, I was not worth it. And, and that's not true. Um, that's a lie. Um, uh, the next thing is on that same page. Um, by the time I had completed the course, I knew the law, um, the law was not for me. Um, what I get out of this is, is what I call, you know, what's next, that what's next thing. Like I just, I, I always needed to be away from the present. I could not live in the present because it was too painful. Um, and it was too uncomfortable. And the present just wasn't acceptable to me. It was not good enough. So every time I accomplished something that I set my, myself to accomplish, I would, I would start wondering what's next. I just needed more. Um, I, I, I needed something in the future. And every time I got close, that future got farther away. And, and I could never touch it because it doesn't exist. The, the future, it just, it just doesn't exist and the past is gone. The only thing that I can do is my best to stay present and live today. Um, 
So I could really relate to this because I was always looking for what's next. Whatever I, I got to wasn't good enough and I needed something more. Um, Um, on the next page, he, he's talking about um, how he was a lone wolf and, um, you know, the, the remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row and I became a lone wolf. And this was, um, you know, after he, I think, after the drink was taking an important and accelerating part in my life. You know, I, I see here the progressive nature of the disease where drink is just not it, it seems like it's not as pleasurable anymore, and it's just taking an important and accelerating part in his life. It, it also feels like a necessity, um, and then he becomes a lone wolf, and I also became a lone wolf because I just couldn't eat the way that I wanted to eat next to people. Um, I had so many friends about four hours from me, um, and I they're just not my friends anymore because I didn't nurture those relationships because I didn't want them to see me. Um, I was gaining weight at such a pace that I didn't want to see him and 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 them say, "Oh my God, you've you've gained so much weight." That would have been killing. Uh, that would have been just too much for me. So I pushed everyone away. I pushed everyone away, and I also pushed everyone away with my defects, with my um, greed and my dishonesty and the gossip and the and the judging. Um, so I can definitely relate to the uh, lone wolf feeling here. Um, next thing that stands out to me is on the next page, on page four, um, after the um, the market crash, he says that the papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. Um, I judge um, cocaine users and alcoholics. Um, I would say, you know, why can't they stop? Don't they see that it's harmful to them? Don't they see that, um, you know, that that cocaine is killing them, that they're going to overdose? Or or I would say, why do they drink that way? Um, don't they see that it's killing their marriage? And meanwhile, I was killing my marriage with food and I was killing my body. I was killing my health. I was killing my relationship with my kids because I was yelling at them and screaming at them um, and sometimes even physically abusing them. Uh, my little baby, when I when I when I held him in my arms, he just and he wouldn't want to go to sleep, and I wanted to go to sleep because I was so tired, <clears throat> and I didn't want to be angry, but I couldn't control it. <clears throat> the same way that I couldn't control the food, I couldn't control it, and he was powerless. He was so little, he couldn't fight me. <clears throat> And I was as powerless as he was. I couldn't find myself. And it felt terrible. It felt terrible to, to not be able to find myself treating someone that I love so much in that way. It felt terrible to, to not be able to, to stop myself from anger when it came to my, to my little baby, which I, who I love so much. And yet I couldn't stop um, from, from abusing physically and verbally. Um, uh, the next thing that stands out to me is um, after that, when he got an opportunity in Canada um, and he felt like Napoleon returning from Elba, no San Helena for me. Um, I guess San Helena is where Napoleon died. So I think what he's trying to say here is that he, he felt victorious. He, 
he felt that he won. Um, and I can just really relate to those little, it was, I say this, like a hyper feeling of making a big deal out of something that wasn't that significant, just because I needed that, that, that high, I needed the feeling um, I needed to feel significant because my life was so insignificant, and I couldn't, I couldn't cope with the with the present. So I, I needed to make a big deal out of the little things. Um, but drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. Um, you know, food always caught up with me. Every time I had a little victory like this, I could stop for a little bit, um, but it would always catch up to me. Um, the next thing that I have is on page five. Um, liquor ceased to be a luxury and it became a necessity. Um, and I think this is, when I realized this with food, it's when it got really depressing. Um, you know, when I started to suspect that I was no longer in control, I had not accepted yet, but I think really deep in the unconscious, I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't, in control anymore. You know, when I, when I told myself, maybe just half of the Kit Kat wouldn't hurt. Uh, I knew that I was lying to myself. As I was getting out of the bed with a firm resolution that I was not going to eat like that anymore, when I was selling myself on the idea that half a Kit Kat wouldn't hurt, I knew that I was lying to myself really deep inside. I knew that that was just going to be the start of another binge, and I was just going to realize it 100 pounds after. Um, and when I started to realize that, uh, it got really depressing. Uh, and he threw things in here like require and necessity because I, I, I know that he knew that it was no longer up to him and he was not, not in control anymore. Um, I would like to get into the solution here and I'm running out of time. Um, one more thing here is um, on that same page, he says when he made promises to his wife and, and this time I meant business. Um, she knew that this time I meant business, and so did I. Um, I made promises to my wife and to my children that I would stop eating that way that I really believed. And I always say this, I, I know that I could have been put on a lie detector and I would have passed because I really meant business. I really, really meant it when I told my wife I'm not going to eat anymore because I'm having, you know, like my ears are getting red and I'm having all these high blood pressure issues, and I was only 28. I mean, I knew that if I kept going that way, I was gonna die. And I promised her that I would stop and that I would exercise. And I really, really did mean it. I wasn't lying to her, I meant it. But two hours after, I just, it was like a different person had taken over and just, just, just wasn't me anymore. And I was ready to start eating again. Was I crazy? He asked the same thing over here. I was, I asked myself that many times. It was like crazy, why am I operating on this? I felt like there was two people inside of me. Um, uh, thank you. Um, I'll try to start wrapping up here. Um, there's one, one more thing here. Um, when he's talking about his brain racing uncontrollably on page six and walking out to the cafe and, and beating the bar asking for uh, a drink and not knowing what, how it happened. Um, and then down, that, down the line on that page, he talks about, you know, the market will recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? Not now. 
then a mental fuck settled down. Jane will fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. Uh, the only solution I knew to my problem was the very thing that was killing me. And I knew that it was killing me. The only solution that I had to combat food and the way food made me feel was food. And being in that circle, freaking depressing and demoralizing. I just, I couldn't handle being in that circle. It was terrible to know that the very thing that I love so much, um, I hated so much at the same time. That love-hate relationship that I had with the food, which was getting more into hate as it progressed, was a, was a terrible loop to be involved in. Um, down the line over here on page seven, he talks about, um, you know, after getting the, uh, some, some knowledge about the problem, surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. I, I learned about nutrition. I took a nutrition class on what the, the, you know, the carbs and the fats and the, and the proteins would do to my body. I paid $500 to have this, this to, to pass this course. And I thought that if I could get, you know, my fitness out, you know, my fitness power app, and I could manage my my uh, my macros, and and I could eat just the right way with the knowledge that I had in here. That I could stop eating that way. Um, I wasted my five hundred dollars. I never finished the class, and I was in a pinch before I learned anything. Um, in spite of what I learned, because I did learn a bit, but it didn't do me any good. My problem was not knowledge. Um, oh. I have just a couple of minutes. So I'll try to get into the solution here. Uh, I, I, the whole thing with Abby and, and, and not being able to, um, to believe in God, I, I know how that feels. I didn't have a God. Um, I came in here not knowing that, um, that I had to, to have help from a higher power. I thought it was a diet club. And when I started seeing that, were God, I, I started to get afraid. Um, and then I had someone in the young person's meeting say, then, you know, why don't you choose your own conception of God? I hadn't even read this before. I hadn't gotten to this part. And she was kind of like my Abby. Uh, she told me, what do you attribute all these things to, all these things that happen in the world? And I said, coincidence. And she said, then why don't you call it God? It's just a word, it's coincidence, God. Why don't you just call it God? And I thought about it and I said, Shit, why don't I just call it God? Um, and I became willing. Um, and from three weeks being in the program, my life started to change. And all I needed was just a little bit of willingness, just a little bit of willingness. I wanted to be sold on this so hard because I saw the solution in you. I saw the solution in everyone in here. I saw that everyone was living a life that I wanted to live. And, and that made me willing. Um, and that was all I needed, just to take a little, just a little crack, just open the, 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 the door just a little bit, um, and God just came through, just kicking it down to rescue me. Um, thank you. Um, so I didn't get into everything that I wanted to get, um, but I'll go right to the end where he says, faith has to work 24 hours a day and in and through us, or we perish. Most of, uh, most of us feel we need look no further than utopia. That was next feeling that I had in the beginning that I saw in Bill's story, um, that is not 
present as much. Um, I am able to live um, a big part of my day in the present. Um, and when I start to drift from that present, I get alarms going on. I get anxious. I get fearful. I feel off the beam. Um, and I have the tools and I have the support to get back into the present. Um, and I know that all that happiness, all of those things that I envision are not in a super hot girlfriend or in a expensive car or a big house. All those things are inside of me. All those things are God who lives inside of me. All those things are in my ability to be in the present. And I get to do that as a result of working this program, as a result of using the tools, and as a result of having a God of my understanding. Um, and you are all part of that. And I love you all so much. Um, and I'm just very, very grateful to be here and, and just be able to be myself fearful and nervous and anxious, um, just as I am. And um, I'll pass with that. Thanks for letting me share. And out of time. Thank you. Thank you, Roberto. There's so much love on the screen for you. We love you and um just thank you your story is always amazing to hear we really appreciate you muted myself we will now open the meeting for three minute shares or questions as this is a big book study sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week we ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track if you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And then Subin will call the raise hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Um, Nadia, would you please set a three minute timer for each share and announce when time is up. If the speakers ask a question, um, please allow three minutes for the answer. All right, who would like to share? Take away Subin. Hi, Daisy B here, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Grateful to be here, grateful to see you share, Roberto. I always love hearing you speak um, and just love your honest message and the service you do for this program. Um, I related so much to the this like, I can't even find you on the screen, oh, there you are. Um, just to, to what you're talking about like with the what's next you know bill having this mind of like what's next and not being able to be in the present and i relate to that in thinking about like when i was in the disease when i was in the food and i relate to that feeling today like that is still very much kind of my default mindset of like what's next what's next and like hatching up plans and having new big ideas and not you know not wanting to stick with the thing i'm doing or having a hard time with commitments. Um, I just have a bouncy brain. Um, and yeah, it's definitely gotten gotten better, but that's that's where my brain goes. And um, sorry, I'm like losing my train of thought a little bit today with my bouncy brain. <laughs> but um, right, okay, sorry. Whew. Weird day. Anyway, um, so I was thinking about this and my overexcitability and like how I have this thing. And sometimes I'll like have one of these big new ideas and I'll go in and I'll latch onto it and I'll go into my partner's um, space and tell him about it. And he'll be like, it's not that it's a bad idea, but I can just like see it. You look crazed in your eyes. 
And I, you just look so excited and like crazy right now about this. And so I made this list of like what to do, rules for myself, Daisy's rules for states of overexcitement. Because I'm like, I'm, I honestly feel like I'm in one of these states right now. I'm just like, ah! But my point is, which is why I'm having trouble with this share right now, but the point is like what I love about being in this program is that it just grounds me and I have people I can talk to to like bring me back to earth. And my overexcitability and my craziness is not, it's separate from the food now. Like that is just another issue that I'm not bringing into all of this. It's like, yes, I'm going to have this this brain that I have. I'm going to be impulsive. I'm going to do all the things, but I have a team of people. I've got 12 steps to bring me back to earth. And that is just so necessary (laughs) in my life. Um, And yeah, I, I, somebody told me recently, maybe it was on this meeting, but I heard the, the saying of like, you know, if you have a good idea, call your sponsor. If you have a great idea, drive to their house. <laughs> and it's like that's what we have here. And we've got we've got people. Just reminder. So much. Um, and just the the last thing I want to say is like I do change my mind over so many things, but I have not, and I don't think I ever will change my mind about recovery and about God and about needing to be here. And I'm so so grateful for that. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you for that. Uh, Thank you, Daisy. Next we have Cheney Kay. Hi, everybody. I'm Cheney Kay, compulsive overeater and bulimic in Florida. Um, Thank you so much for your share, Roberto. I really, really resonated with a lot of those things, um, especially when you said it was like having like two people inside your head. Like I can just remember you know, coming from being like a personal trainer and stuff and like fitness and health and nutrition being my whole life and like teaching my clients all these things and learning about all these things and having just such a strong conviction, like in my head to like commit to, you know, my plan, commit to eating a certain way. Um, and just like, I don't know, like swearing off all these things. And then, you know, next thing I know, like I'd be back in the food, no matter how, how much I swore to myself and genuinely like believed myself that I was done with the food. And, um, it was crazy. Like the last things I've been, been training for like military special operations. And like, it's insane. Just like how much pain and like how many like insane things in training I could put myself through no matter what I could do, like in my training, like, you know, like serve torture, like half marathon runs, burpees till I puked, like all these things, no matter what, I could not put down the food. Like at the end of the day, like the food was always there, like destroying all my dreams and like ruining my hard work. Um, and just making me like loathe myself, honestly. And like literally wondering what I was living for. I was like, you know, all these people are drilling it into my head, like that I have to have discipline and I have to have this and that. And I'm like, I feel like I can have discipline until, you know, the food suddenly comes. Um, And then when you said like recovery is life beyond my wildest dreams, um, it's like crazy that it it truly is like, I'm not all the way through the steps yet, but I really have been feeling so, so neutral and so free. Um, I almost like compare it to like 
I don't know if you guys know like the story, like Peter in the Bible, I'm not really Christian, but like, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm like walking on the water in that story, like something I never thought I could do. Um, like I've been able to put the food down and I've been able to keep it down. And it's something that I never could have done um, by myself, like ever. And yeah, I still feel the pain. I still feel things like come up now and then, um, you know, something happened to me last night that really got me um, like kind of freaking out. But then I just took a moment, I took a moment, like grounded myself and just like figured out, you know, higher power has a reason for this. Higher power has a way that I'm going to get through this. Um, and I just was able to feel so at peace again. Um, and that's also something that I never would have been able to do before program. Um, and it's just, it's made me so thankful. Like I understand why people say that they're like a grateful compulsive eater because if I didn't have this disease, if I didn't have this problem with the food, I never would have figured out, I never would have figured out the solution um, of trusting God to um, bring me peace in everything in my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Tammy. Next we have EMF. Hi, y'all. I'm EMF, compulsive reader. Very grateful to be here today. I was going to just sit and listen, but then Roberto spoke and, <laughs> and I just love you so much, man. Um, oh, there's, there's, there's so much here. I think one of, one of my favorite things that you said is I don't know a lot, but I have a lot highlighted. Um, and I just love that attitude, you know? Um, I don't know that I have, I don't know exactly why I love that so much, but I do. Um, but when you're talking about this, how cyclical, the disease is how you know i have this this pain with the food and and the only way that i can solve that pain is more food and how self-destructive and like all-consuming that is um i totally relate to that and when you're when you're talking about you know your ebby meeting meeting my ebby was this wonderful thing because basically what she told me was yes yes the thing about choosing your own conception of god but also it's like we don't, we don't recover by fighting that cycle, you know, because fighting it just feeds it. What we do is, is you're going to ask a God of your own, of your own conception to pick you up and put you in a different cycle. <laughs> and that cycle is the cycle of recovery. And it's just like, when somebody tells you that, and you see that they're like happy and you're like, whoa, what, what does that mean? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything if, if that can happen. Um, it's like, that's, that's the moment that's like, I don't even know what that means, but it, it feels right. So I'm going to say it. Um, so just, just thank you so much for your share. It's, it's always delightful to hear you. And, uh, with that, uh, I will pass. Thank you, Ian F. Next we have Kristen H. Hi, I'm Kristen H., Recover Compulsive Reader, coming at you from Houston, Texas. Anyway, um, thank you so much, Roberto, for your share. I loved the way you went through it. I love it when people go through the book and relate. It's, I just really liked the way you shared. And I just, um, I so, I was thinking while you were sharing about like the cycle of lies and like letting people down and letting, and, and not even like, I didn't, I mean, no, I was lying purposely. Like I was lying and breaking the, but also like not even intending to, like, I'm not going to keep doing this. 
I'm going to stop. Like I believed it. And then I lied or when I out and out lied, when I said I'm doing this, but I'm really doing that. Or, you know, I don't know how I'm so heavy. I barely eat. Did anyone else have that thing? I, I don't know what it is. I just, I really eat so healthy. I mean, you've seen me. I don't eat that much. I mean, really? So just like, why lie, 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 lie. And they get more and more difficult to hold up. But I also find myself with fewer and fewer people to lie to because people start to leave my life. And that's exactly like what you see happen to Bill, that his circle gets smaller and smaller until it's him and Jen and his long suffering wife. Right. And, um, and then, you know, I've never been in a couple, but I imagine that you can be pretty isolated and be part of a couple as well. So, um, that's, I think one of the, the things that is, is so hard. Um, when I was really, um, in the thick of uh, several addictions, I woke up one morning, uh, suicidal and I was so isolated at that time in my life, uh, geographically from pe- from most of my friends. And then I just hadn't made friends where I lived and the ones that I had had gone away. Cause I was just, I was out of control, um, that I had to drive myself to the hospital. There was no one to take me to the hospital. And like, um, you know, and I was there in the hospital all day by myself. And, um, that's the depths that, that my disease takes me to where I can be in a place and not have anyone. And, um, and I'm not unique or special in that, right? Like that's what happens, right? That's our disease. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if my disease really wants to kill me so much. It just wants to keep me alive enough so I can just keep shoving chocolate in my face. So, um, you know, uh, if it kills me, it's just, just a secondary fact. So, um, anyway, thank you so much for your share. And I just, like I said, I've been thinking about that and thinking about how blessed I am, you know, not to be in that space and to be able to reach out and learning how to do that. Thank you. I'm learning how to reach out, learning how to be part of a community. And uh, this meeting has a lot to do with that. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kristen H. Next we have Robin W. Hey, good evening, everybody. I'm Robin, Recovered Compulsive Reader here in Cincinnati. Good to see everyone. Um, Roberto, thank you so much. I um, I love the the picking apart of of Bill's um, quest for power. Like I, I mean, as as any at any twelve step fellowship, any program, whatever. The common theme of all of us is that we're power hungry. And we want we want the power, and we look for it in all the wrong places, um, and and what it amounts to, you know, in Bill's story, like all the stuff he's done throughout throughout time, like, you know, he's he's an amazing um, financial analyst. He's he's really good at golf. He, um, you know, he's just constantly trying to like claim power because that's that's what we do and we just have this massive selfish ego um and then at some point we realize that we're we're struggling to keep this enormously complicated show on the road and um and and we stumble and some of us get up and keep trying to you know 
find that power um, in all the wrong places. And um, I, I, I always find it amazing that that Bill's spiritual, you know, he, he you know, he claims to be atheist agnostic in, in, in his story. Um, you know, but Abby comes over and he, and he talks about um, his willingness to engage in this conversation, which I, which I find, and I've been told that that's, that's a higher power moment in um, where he's, he's, he's accepting the fact that he needs, he's got to look somewhere else for this power. It's going to kill him. And um, so I, I oftentimes think of like, how difficult it it's been for me and program to engage in in a sponsor sponsee relationship in that way that that Bill was talking to Abby and um, you know because I, I at at some point like asking a woman to sponsor me I felt like I was asking her to marry me and I was like ah like <laughs> you know like I don't I don't know how to do this um, but the willingness to engage in that relationship is higher power centered like I'm willing to like try something else here not do it my own way and um and i and i love that we get to see that in his story um and we get to hear it in each other's stories when we're when we're willing to engage in, in a different relationship so um happy to be here tonight i'll pass thanks thanks virtually stop the recording for unrecorded shares and questions